0: Hello and welcome to the Global Custodian Podcast. My name is John Bakey. I'm uh, online uh, editor for Global Custodian and I'm joined today, as per usual, by John Watkins, editor of Global Custodian and our staff writer, Paul Walsh. Uh, but we also have a special guest once again today. It's Nick Wright. He's head of UK, Middle East, Africa, Netherlands and the Nordics for uh, State Street Global Services. Uh, hi there, Nick. Is this your first time on a podcast?
1: It is my first time on a podcast, and um, other than listening to, to um, Agnew and Boycott, probably the first podcast I've ever even listened to, so exciting oh, well. times. That's Excellent. high standards we are
0: going to keep Indeed. To. <laughs> um, As per usual, we're, um, uh, we're going to pass over to Paul to give us a little bit of a, a roundup of this week's news.
2: Thank you, John. Uh, in the news this week, Citibank has increased its custody programme by extending cut-off times for global custody accounts serviced from London, Luxembourg and New York. Standard Chartered has created a new business line within its transaction banking department, bringing together multiple teams into one segment of bank sales, product client management, and technology and operations. Apex Fund Services has made three new appointments, two of which in Luxembourg, including Gareth Williams, a former special vice president for JP Morgan's fund operations team. Senior vice president. Senior vice president. He might be special, but... (laughs) Correct. I stand corrected. Uh, And he's joined as uh, managing director for Apex in Luxembourg. JP Morgan is to pull back from certain government security settlement functions for broker-dealers. And finally, State Street CEO, Jay Hooley, is urging a huge overhaul of technology and image of his own bank and is urging the custodian business to join him or risk falling by the wayside.
3: Great. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for memorising all that news again for us. Um, <laughs> well, um, you, John. That's That's a great way to lead into uh, a, a chat with Nick today. So, yes, obviously we... Uh, we were lucky enough to meet Jay Hooley, CEO of State Street, uh, a few weeks ago, and we've recently posted up the story online. And Jay was talking to us about digitizing, automating, and just really kind of overhauling and bringing in new technology into State Street. So Nick, I'm sure that's something you've, you've seen yourself uh, being part of it all.
1: Yeah, like I think data, data for some time has been the, the key buzzword in the industry, and everyone's been thinking about how we can bring data together. And of course, I think what Jay spoke to you about, which is true, is data only works if we can get the underlying processes working. And you know, having the, all the data in one place, but available the next day or available on a monthly basis, is kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we need data and we need real time data. And to do that, as he says, we need an overhaul. And as we've just touched on here, we need an overhaul of not just automating technology, but changing the processes too many handoffs and we as an industry have allowed ourselves to get caught up in that and there's a, an opportunity and indeed a, a requirement now that if we, if we if we don't do it you know the the world will, will go by us
3: and and obviously he was saying that it's not just stay Street yourself but he wants the whole industry to, to collectively do this to, to bring it up do you think there's a sense of um, yeah, the custodian world lagging behind on technology or being stuck in its ways, for, as such, for a while.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's the custodian world, but the, the whole infrastructure from settlement to the you know broker dealers to asset managers and how we interact with each other, I think you know has not moved on as it should have been. And I think individually, we've all been focused on it, and I think everyone's focused on it. I think what Jay's calling to arms is about is saying that's that's as an industry take this on. Let's take down the boundaries of competitive relationships and say that's let's, let's move forward for what's right. Because as we'll come on and talk about, there's a, a number of things that is driving the need for real time, true transparency around data.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, you mentioned data there, and that's obviously one of the, the big demands from you, for you from your clients. So um, aside from what you've already mentioned, what else are you doing to kind of meet those? Those demands from the clients.
1: Um, well, I, I think if you if you drill into what the what the clients are looking for, I, I think we touched on the speed of data. So it needs to be real time. I think we've all grown up in this industry of monthly being okay, and then weekly, and then daily, and then kind of hourly, and now it's real time. Um, and our technology people will turn me off for saying real time because they'll say it doesn't exist, but real time, as in a couple of seconds later and almost instantaneous, and that's what's needed. You, you then look at it and say, well, it's not just the core data, it's drilling down into the the bottom layer. And I think that's where, and there's a number of regulations, and regulations is always a, a double-edged sword for us all, but it's driving that true data transparency down. And that's why you need the data in one place, if you're going to be able to pull it together. And whether it's Solvency two, whether it's Mifid, whether it's a whole load, EMEA, a whole load of different things. It's all driving towards that transparency of data and the frequency and the, the timeliness of it. So, you know, what we're doing, yes, there's a, a huge technology exercise, but it's more than that. It's more working with all those people you touched on earlier. How do we interact with them? How do we get everything automated? You know, STP was something we'd have been speaking about twenty years ago, and everyone slapped themselves on the back saying, "Oh, no, we've got to ninety-nine percent STP," and everyone thought job done. Well, now the challenge is the one um, well, percent. Mm. We've 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 stayed at the ninety-nine, thinking we've done a great job, but that one percent delays everything. So you need to get ninety-nine isn't isn't enough. You know, the ninety-nine point nine is probably not enough. We yeah. we have to get true to one hundred percent, both internally and externally. Okay.
3: Paul, oh, you—you uh, probably got blockchain questions, you know, ready, ready to fire out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, should should we on bring that
2: up? <laughs> <laughs> on the verge, yeah. if we take the sort of blockchain position, there's been a lot of talk uh, last week, London FinTech Week, as you may or may not mm-hmm. have seen, and there was the talk that blockchain would be hard to solve a settlement sort of procedure. What are your thoughts on that? Can blockchain be used for that sort of process?
1: I I think, but, yeah. On the face of it, blockchain can be used for settlement. It can be used for the whole end-to-end process. Mm. The problem within our industry, and I think this is Jay's point, is if you just take one piece of the process, Mm. that's where it becomes a problem. So there's a whole load of, you know, you've got a big initiative globally, um, Target 2 Securities, Mm. which is a a great initiative, Mm. but it is only looking at that settlement process. So automating the settlement process is one bit of it. But what about the other pieces? What about corporate actions? Mm -hmm. What about cash processing? What about income? Mm -hmm. So you need to look at it in its entirety. Blockchain is a piece of technology. Yes, it can, just as I'm sure other things will come along and be able to do it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm agnostic, whether it's blockchain or something else, to be honest, as long as we can get it digitized and Um, Automated, that's that's the answer. So we need
2: an overhaul kind of on the whole, not just specific elements such as settlement. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So
3: Nick, I wanted to move on now to something else and that's um, UK tax transparent funds. Mm -hmm. Something I was practising before the show to say (laughs) that. Yeah, there there was a few years ago, was it back in 2011 or 2013 it was uh, introduced, these new regulated, you know, tax transparent vehicles, it's not something we've written about a whole lot ourselves, but we're just interested uh, to hear from you why there might be a, a surge in demand for, for these products, perhaps.
1: Yeah, sure. And there certainly is a surge in demand. And like, I think it's easy for us, as we sometimes do in the UK, to think these are brand new, because it's the first time we've done them here. Actually, globally and specifically in Europe, they, they've existed, tax transparent funds, for a number of years. Specifically, in Ireland and Luxembourg, but also in, you know, Netherlands, in Germany and, and elsewhere. So the UK was a little bit late to the game in, in bringing what they're known as ACSs, so authorised contractual schemes to the market, as you say, three, four years ago. And lots of demand, lots of demands from asset managers who are now looking to say, well, we can create this scheme, we can get um, investors coming in from multiple different sources, all with different tax statuses. Pull their assets together and it becomes much more efficient and we can look through. The, the key to them is although you're pooling the assets, you're looking through to the underlying investor. So it comes back to this point around data and the need to go to transparency. So the fund may hold um, 100 shares in IBM. If the fund has 100 investors and they all hold equal shares, what you need to show is 100 holdings of one share rather than one share of 100. And that's where the technology and the digitization and the need for that data comes back into it. So we're seeing demand from asset managers, we're seeing demand from insurance companies. And tax transparent funds became very popular a number of years ago with um, kind of global pension schemes who were looking to say, well, We've got a pension scheme in US, in UK, in Germany, that's pooled all the assets together and tax transparent funds in Ireland and Luxembourg became very popular with that. Um, and indeed, so we're, we're seeing huge demand, but it, there's a, a degree of complexity around how you do it, but you know that's where organisations like ourselves are, are really trying to add value into the, into the piece.
3: Yeah. And, you, and you mentioned pension schemes there and that brings us on to an, another talking point. That, uh, obviously there's a big trend at the moment of consolidation amongst uh, pension schemes, so I'm sure that's uh, creating work for yourselves. I mean, what are they kind of demanding from yourselves in terms of what are the challenges they're facing and coming to you for?
1: Yeah, well, like um, this is a local authority pension schemes in the UK. Um, there's, um, there's something like 90 local authority pension schemes in the UK. Well, one of the Um, Good things uh, the politicians have come up with is seen that that's relatively illogical to have 90 different schemes all with their own pool of assets and have encouraged the local authorities to come together. And now there's there's a number of schemes and it's still being finalised. Submissions, I think, went in last week, week before. Um, But it will go down to under 10. So you'll have 10 and and they will, will be investing. In a way... What those schemes will end up looking like from a servicing perspective for ourselves will be very similar to Australian superannuation funds, that they will be pools of assets, significant pools of assets. And obviously, you know, we'd we'd like to be involved in servicing them. A number of them, to make it a circular debate, will set up tax transparent funds um, and they may host them themselves. They may use other organisations to host those funds and then remember each of the underlying pension schemes. So those 90 pension schemes still exist, but they're investing in these super schemes, for one of a better description, rather than direct. The other trends you see there—it's so the things we've touched on already. The other trends you see um, would be a number of those pension schemes are going to manage the money themselves. So yes, they'll use external managers, but they manage some of the assets themselves that you know they're going to need. A infrastructure to support that, you know, organisations like ourselves and others are very, very familiar with that in terms of where we service as asset managers. They're equally going to likely increase their exposure to alternative assets, so as they get scale, whether that's into hedge assets, maybe a little bit less likely, but more in private equity, real estate, venture capital, maybe even infrastructure. And again, they're, they're going to need the the ecosystems to support that, and that you know, for for us, that creates a, a lot of opportunities, because it plays to that sweet spot in terms of you know the bringing it together. So I, I think for us as um, us as a country, looking at these schemes makes a lot of sense, but it's a, it's a huge shift in terms of how they they operate, and that's requires a again the broader. Um, industry and community to come together to service them mm-hmm.
3: and then with some of the, the data challenges they've got um, you mentioned that perhaps the project beacon is that, is that what it is, it is it, I imagine some kind of secret operation in Silicon Valley but yeah that's very right it's
1: very secret and I yeah. can't talk about it at all so, um, <laughs> yeah. but no, no in all seriousness so Be- beacon is the, the term we've used and, and it's a it's an acronym which I, I won't go into but it's, it's for us around taking all of those things we've touched on and digitizing our operating model. So really saying, right, where are we doing the work? How many handoffs have we got between different groups? Um, why does, why do we have um, any reconciliation exceptions? Why do we have anything coming in manually? How can we automate? And we, we talk a lot about golden source of data, that we only want one source of data coming in and we pl- apply that against everything we do. So very easy to think of Beacon as just technology. Very easy to think of Beacon just on the servicing side of the business. But it's really the end to end, including our clients, brokers, and others, as to as to how we can operate. And that, for us, is the umbrella of how we're transforming ourselves. And it comes back to your point around Jay, which I you know, I think he he would have stressed and you, you hear from others if, if we stand still then we die so we, we we can't afford to stand still and we need to we need to move forward and that's that's one of many ways that we're going to move forward
3: great john can you guess what beacon might stand for
1: um no no
0: I don't even maybe we should a open it up to Comp- competition time yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> bit, <but> <laughs> for the listeners to, to guess oh well, I think they need to, to work on suggesting a name for our podcast before they do that I know
1: I you know. could call it the Beacon Podcast the Beacon oh, Podcast I'm don't, not sure that's uh, one of the
0: better suggestions we've had so far yeah. <laughs> 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 okay well um and, as as uh, we did also mention uh, the interview uh, that John did with uh, with Jay Hooley and uh, I would urge everybody really listening to go and check that out on the website now. Um, it, it's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting piece thank you John no problem <laughs> <laughs> now looking at my sheet here once again we've got some plugs I've only got one actually okay. and just one
3: I don't okay, normally well. we're talking about magazines being out and stories coming up but the only thing I've got to say this week is that today is the last day for anyone who wants to fill in our women in hedge fund operations survey mm-hmm. and then we'll be closing it and writing up a report on the results so please fill that in if you get a chance okay excellent well Uh, That's all we've got time for
0: today, so uh, I'm going to say thanks to John, Paul and Nick, and uh, we'll see you next time.